Good morning, everyone. And welcome to this hour of worship. Good to see you this morning. Just a couple of things off the top of my head here to begin with. The carpet tubes and trunk or treat and all of that, that's a good deal. I'm going to have the grandkids decorate our trunk and the tube and all that. And I have at my house, believe it or not, at least a dozen rolls of orange duct tape. Just the right spot at the right time, got it all free. So we'll make it look real, real sharp. The kids will make it look real, real sharp. When it comes to Operation Christmas Child, this is what I firmly believe. Every one of us who makes a box, fills a box, however, however you contribute to this, there will be kids who will come up to us in heaven because in heaven they'll be able to trace everything. There will be kids that will come up to us in heaven and they will say to us, I accepted Christ because you filled a shoebox and I went halfway around the world and I'm here because of a shoebox that had the plan of salvation in it. This is one of the best things to come around in a long time, the shoebox. Now, Linda will probably take the grandkids and go shopping because uh, the age of our grandkids, they would really, really like that. But I know that sometimes she goes shopping, I, I don't, okay? <laughs> sometimes it's just easier to put money in the offering and let someone else do the shopping for you, right? And let Lindy Neumeyer do the shopping and the kids fill up the box for you. That's just as easy, whatever you do, would be right. How many of you are on Facebook? Okay, I just got to take a show of hands here. When you're regularly on Facebook, you're looking at it and that, that type of thing. Amazingly, people 62 and older are the fastest growing group, new people, on Facebook is what they tell us. Yeah, so we're in that group. If you're just new to Facebook, that's where it is. When you see Beulah Missionary Church on Facebook, you know, make it one of your favorites and all that, like it. And every time you like it, what you are really doing is inviting someone to church. Because just how Facebook works, the more likes it gets, the more that that Facebook post gets put further and further up, the more it goes out so every time you like Beulah on Facebook, you're inviting someone to church. Amazingly, you are. And started just this week, we started, Beulah started advertising on Facebook within a five-mile radius of the church. And you'll start to see the benefits of that in a few weeks down the road when it comes Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's as people begin to find where they're going to go to church on those Sundays. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles. First of all, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. Just two verses here. Three verses here. Matthew 5, 23, Sermon on the Mount. 
where it says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Just those two verses. Put a marker there in your Bible, because we'll come back to that. Let me read, let me do it this way. Let me, let me read Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, from the Message Bible. And most weeks I will read from the Message Bible. And if you're into new translations, the Message Bible is at its best in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where you have the Sermon on the Mount. You will get new perspectives on the Sermon on the Mount from the Message Bible. This is Message Bible, Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. Notice how they do this. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and, about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. That's the Message Bible. Now one other scripture this morning, Matthew chapter 18, Matthew 18, 15, and following. And this is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to graduate level love. Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Just those verses. Put a mark there in, that, in your Bible too. These very same verses from the Message Bible. Eighteen fifteen. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that in the presence of witnesses we'll keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Let me pray with you. So God, speak to us. While it is my voice that's heard in this auditorium, 
It is your voice that they will remember. So somehow through this thing that you created called preaching, take what is said by me and apply it to our hearts. Speak to us. In Christ's name, amen. If you have an outline in your bulletin, I'll get to the outline about halfway through the message. We're doing a series that we're titling Graduate Level Love. Let me just set the, the scene here again from last week. There are different levels of love. We started off last week talking about preschool love. This is where we learn that Jesus loves me, this I know. You can be an adult and still are working through preschool love. I know some men who never got beyond preschool loved. They were married for a while, but they thought it was all about them. And they didn't stay married. In fact, one of these guys, I even said, you know what? You have it so far off base. I would recommend that you never be married again the rest of your life. Just give it up. You're not marriage material. Preschool love. Then there's elementary school love. That's where we learn Jesus doesn't love just me, but he loves everybody. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Then there's junior high love. That's where I learned that Jesus loves me, Jesus loves everybody, therefore I'm supposed to love everybody, but not everybody's lovable. And you may be an adult before you learn that. But not everybody is lovable. Junior high love. In senior high love, I learned, I could be an adult when I learned this, I learned that it's just a whole lot easier. Life is a lot easier if I just stay in the circle that loves me. And we gravitate towards those people that love us. <clears throat> you know, a few years back, this has got to be four years ago now, had my 50th high school reunion. 50 years. I've been out of high school more than 50 years. Can you imagine that? And some of those people there in that reunion, first time I'd seen them in 50 years, really. But we were, I moved away, they stayed close. But we were friends in high school. And as that group got together, we all gravitated towards the same people that we liked in high school. Just where it was, because, you know, of course, in high school, I was a part of the church crowd, and we just, uh, just how the whole thing played itself out. High school love. Then there's college-level love. That's where we seriously start to respond to God's love to us. How do I love others? Because he loved us. And then there's graduate-level love. That's where I'm willing to sacrifice. That's where I'm willing to make the hard decisions. Graduate-level love. What does love require of me? Now, that was last week. This is this week. You know what I find to be true? You find this to be true, too. In large gatherings of any kind whether it be church or a ball game or a play or a meeting of any kind. Most of these gatherings have an unwritten 
rules of conduct. Just common sense type things that this is what you should do when you're in these gatherings. One of them is, of course, for all gatherings is you show up on time. You just show up on time. You just aren't late. You know that? You just show up on time. Any takers on that one? You show up on time. That, that, that's where we are. Just, just Dawn and me, the only ones who agree with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number two is, if you, if you, if you, uh, you don't disturb anybody. Don't be discourteous. You don't disturb anybody. Your cell phone doesn't go off. Your beeper doesn't go off. You know, no crying babies, those type things. No talking. No private jokes in these meetings. And number three is, you don't leave early. Just common sense type things in any meeting. You don't leave early. You don't leave early. Now, with COVID and all that, there's other things that added there. You know, you wear a mask, you keep your six, six feet there. You go to the grocery store, you only touch the things you're going to buy, that type of thing. Common sense things for all gatherings. In Jesus' time, there were very rigid rules for synagogue services. Very rigid. Almost the same rules that you and I have here. One of those rules was you don't show up late. You never show up late for the synagogue service. The Pharisees will have you in trouble if you do that. You don't talk during the service. You never talk during the synagogue service in Jesus' time. And you don't leave early. You don't leave early. Everyone knew the rules. And you and I, we read Matthew chapter 5, we just think, well, this is the way it is. But when Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5, leaving church early, leaving the service early, he was saying something that was very foreign to anybody's ears. He was upsetting the apple cart. He was saying, there's one circumstance, there's just one circumstance where you can break two of the three rigid rules, the rules of etiquette, for a synagogue service. Just one circumstance. And that circumstance is, that if you know a brother or sister who has something against you, you are willing, you are able, I will let you leave the, the service. You may be putting something in the offering plate. It may be during song service. It may be during the altar call. But you remember that, wow, this person has something against me. I have said something that I shouldn't have said. They have said something that they shouldn't have said to me. There is a broken relationship between a brother and sister in Christ. And God now brings that to me. And it is okay in those cases to get up during the service, go out, get your coat and hat, leave, just leave, and make the broken relationship right. Our relationship with one another, in God's eyes, is as important as our relationship with Him. You can't have a right relationship with Him if you don't also have a right relationship with other people. And Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24. You know what I find to be true? When I was younger, and people would get up and leave the service and all that, the, being the speaker, you know, that used to touch my heart. I used to say, what did I say now? You know, that they got up and left and those type things. 
But as I got older and I understood the value of Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, I realized that there are some people with the moving of the Holy Spirit among us, there are some people who are so moved that they say, I need to leave the service and make things right with other people. So from this point on, at Beulah Missionary Church, if someone gets up and leaves, we're going to assume that they're going to make things right with someone else. You understand what I'm saying there? In fact, the truth of the matter is that those who would get up and leave to make things right with someone else, they may be the most spiritual among us. They may be the most honest among us. You see, love, graduate level love, love is the supreme value in the kingdom of God. And anything that undermines love must be dealt with immediately. So let me ask you a question. If love is the supreme value in the kingdom of God, what would be among the most severe offense in the kingdom of God? It would be anything that tarnishes love. Let me phrase this question just, just a little bit different. If love is the supreme value in the kingdom of God, how big of a deal is it in God's eyes when love breaks down? It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal in God's eyes. Graduate level love, keep graduate level love alive in your relationships. Now to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 and following. Let me set this first of all. These verses, Matthew 18, which if you've been in the church for all your life, you've heard this many, many times. But let me say it again. These verses do not apply to you and me, believers in Christ, with the raw world out there. Not at all. There's other scriptures that apply in our relationship with the raw world. These scriptures, Matthew chapter 18, apply only to the church. Brothers and sisters, in Christ. So you got to keep that in the back of your mind. You may be having a difficult relationship with someone who does not know Christ. This scripture does not apply to that situation. This scripture only applies to us anywhere who are believers in Christ. So the first step, when I'm aware that someone has something against me, the first step is to go. Notice that word, go, go. <clears throat> and here's an interesting thing. Of course, the Bible was written in Greek. This word for go here in Greek means to go quietly. Go quietly. Don't make any noise. Don't blow a trumpet. Don't tell anybody else what you're doing. Just go. If love has broken down, if a relationship has been tarnished, go. And this going is to be started the moment you realize something has broken down. You don't wait two or three weeks and then, well, you know what, maybe I ought to go now. You don't have in the back of your mind, time will resolve this situation. Time heals all wounds. That's not always true in a broken relationship. 
It says go. Reschedule your day. Take an hour off from work. Even get up from church service and go and talk to the one where love has broken down. I can't leave a broken relationship and still worship God. Number two, go in private. Just between the two of you. Now here's the idea behind this. Go in private, first of all. Go in private. You don't go talk to two or three people that you already know who see the, same, see the situation the same way you do. You don't talk to two or three people and then get them on your side because you know they're going to be on your side because they've always been your friends and they've always seen things the way you see them. You don't talk to two or three people and then go. That's not how this works. You are to go in private. In private. Let me give an example of what is met here. Let's say you have a co-worker. Maybe it's a family member. It can be anybody who's had a bad day. Maybe you're the one who's had the bad day. But you or her or somebody, him, whatever the case may be, <clears throat> they fly off the handle at you for whatever reason. You don't know why they say what they say, but they said something that's out of character for them, and they hurt you deeply. In fact, you know what I know to be true? The longer you work with someone, the more apt you are to say something that you wish you hadn't said. That is just true. The longer you work with someone, the more apt you are to say something you wish you hadn't said. Should you or the co-worker have behaved the way they did? Absolutely not. Not at all. No one should behave that way. The big question is, why did they do what they do, what they did? If you have been hurt, why did they do that? What's in the back of their mind? What's going on in their life? You know what most people would do, Christians or non-Christians? They would walk out of that meeting, grab two or three other people together, and then they would start to talk about the situation. And then they get more infuriated and more infuriated. And before long, you retell the story, and with the inflection in your voice and the body language that you, you use, you make the whole situation just a little bit worse than it was in the beginning. Maybe two or three times worse. Every time the story is retold, it's going to get worse and not better. Been there, done that? Mm-hmm. And about 30 minutes later, you're, you're in the back of your mind, you're starting to boil over. I can't believe that this is the way it is. Then you call someone, and then the person you called calls someone. And by nightfall, there's a whole big group of people who know about the situation that you've been dealing with. And then you call your small group in the church, and the story just gets blown out of proportion more and more and more and more, and you can't sleep at night. Graduate-level love does not allow that to happen. Not at all. As the story is repeated, it gets worse and worse. That's how come you are to go in private. What happens to love when you tell everyone except the one you had the riff with, love breaks down. 
Love breaks down. Number three, when you go, you go with reconciliation in the back of your mind. You seek reconciliation. You go and talk. Let me make this as practical as I know how to make it. You don't go to that meeting that you're going to have with this individual with an attitude. An attitude. You hurt me and I'm going to hurt you back. Here's what happens to a lot of people. And this is as true as it can be. Hurt people hurt other people. Hurt people hurt other people. So if you are hurt and you go into a meeting, chances are very good, unless you're operating in graduate level love, chances are very good that in the back of your mind, you're going to hurt the other person that you're going to talk with. Just the way that they hurt you. And when you set up this meeting, no meeting should ever be set up with an email. You don't cover these type meetings with an email or anything like that. There's not a one of us here who hasn't responded to an email when we wish we hadn't responded to an email. We wish we had just picked up the phone and made the phone call. Don't set up any meeting like this with an email because this is what all of us do. I read your emails with the emotion that I have at the time. Not the emotion that you wrote it with. I don't care how many loving words you put in it. But if, if, if I'm having a rough moment, if I just got off a phone call with someone, and this is, this is just a hard deal for me, you know, the next thing I do is read your email. I read your email the way I'm feeling, not the way you wrote it. We all do that. You never set up these meetings with an email. Email may be good, <laughs> but that whole email thing, it can come back to bite you big time. So when you go to this meeting, this is what you do. Say something like this. As you set up this meeting, say something like this. You know, I value our relationship. You may say that even when you set up the meeting. I value our relationship. I like working with you. We've been friends for a long period of time. You can't allow the other person to be on the defensive. Once you have the other person on the defensive, and you start to tell them how wrong they were, and you go in with the attitude that you're wrong, if that's the whole thing, the meeting's probably over. A little phrase that I use in the back of my mind quite often, you're never persuasive when you are abrasive. Never. You're never persuasive when you are abrasive. So when you go into this meeting, you go with the attitude, I value you. I like you. I love you. I want to know what I did in order to cause you to respond to me the way you have. You go as a learner, saying to yourself, I'm willing to take my part of the responsibility for this breakdown. And you never use the phrase, never use the word, if. If I have offended you, forget it. If you're going with the if I have offended you, if you even use that phrase, you have not come to the point of operating in graduate level love. 
Because you're already saying it may be your fault. You have to go with the attitude that it's all my fault. I want to do what I have to do in order to restore this relationship. Number four. The conflict is impossible to solve. So you bring in a mediator. Verses 16 and 17. You can't resolve the conflict. Bring in help. Tell your story to them. And then let them bring in just one or two people. Let them help you through it. You know what I find to be true? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it uses this phrase, we see through a glass darkly. No matter how wise you and I may be, no matter how smart we, we may be, we may be able to just work through every relationship but we all see through a glass darkly in certain situations. We all have blind spots. We don't see it the way it really is. And from time to time, it's just good to have someone from the outside give us a perspective that we couldn't get anyplace else to move us along in restoring the relationship in love. Then number five, you can't get it all together. You can't get it all together. Tell the story to the spiritual leaders of the church. The story should never be told to everyone. Tell it to the church. It means tell it to the spiritual leaders of the church. Not the whole church, but the leaders of the church. And then bring them into the situation. Let me close with this. My life experiences has been, have been. There are certain, and this is not me, but I'm just, uh, just general observation. There are some people who feel that just the cost of being alive, the cost of being a leader, if you're going to do the leadership thing, if you're just going to have a relationship with other people just the cost of doing life means there's some people who think this way it means that there's going to be irreparable relationships in your life and for those people who have that in the back of the mind hey you know what? I'm just never going to get along with you no matter what happens those people who have that in the back of their mind they have a whole bunch of people along the path of life that they have set aside not going to have a relationship, not going to try to get along with them because they just have it in the back of their mind. It's not going to work anyways. This is where it's going to go. As strange as it may sound, it's okay to fight for the peace. It's okay to make peace. Fight for the peace. Be at peace with all people if at all possible. One other thing. I know some pastors who feel that the cost of being a pastor is eventually means that you have ruined relationships with the people in the church. I could take those guys to the woodshed as fast as I could because that is just not the way it is. Not at all. Not at all. So here's the point. God wants us to operate in 
graduate-level love. Do whatever is necessary to operate in graduate-level love. Because the supreme value in the kingdom is love. Let me pray with you. So thank you, God, for love. Thank you for love. In Christ's name, amen.